Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn, welcome to the In the Crease podcast. Linda, it's this crazy hectic time. The trade deadline is over. I just came back from GM meetings in Florida. Two days, not much news happened, by the way. Just like a quick recap. Yeah, but you were in Florida for two days. How great is that? I was in Florida for two days. That's the big recap. I got to spend some time in the sun. See what the general managers are talking about, putting some FaceTime with some of them. Um, LTIR was the big issue that everyone wanted to be a big issue, right? Of the circumvention of the cap, what the Lightning have done the last couple of years, stashing Nikita Kucherov away, making him free in the playoffs. Now there's all these questions about the Vegas Golden Knights doing the same. Basically, a couple GMs brought it up. Some people think that they should have a salary cap in the postseason. Other people, eh, the system isn't flawed. They tabled it for a later discussion. It would have to be approved by the players anyway. Don't expect any reform there. Officiating remains a very sensitive topic, Linda. All the GMs are warned. Please don't explain. Uh, please don't complain. Um, we're doing the best we can here. There's a shortage of officials. Um, we're trying to stay consistent. Just bear with us. So that was something. Why are there I a shortage of officials, Emily? May I butt in? Why are there a shortage of officials? It's a thankless job, Linda. All across North America, ah. think of the abuse of officials. Think of the way that we treat them. Think of the way the players yell at them, coaches yell at them, parents yell at them from the stands. They don't get paid enough. Come on. They get paid a decent amount, but I just think it's a thankless job. It's one of those jobs you only notice when they make a mistake and we're so quick to criticize them, largely because there's not a lot of accountability and forward facing. But um, anyway, I just think it's an interesting dilemma because it does seem like officiating calls are are getting louder and louder at this time of year, right? When a call is made, it carries more gravity and people aren't exactly pleased with the consistency. I like when you mentioned this time of year, you know what else I love about this time of year? Every game for about a dozen teams, maybe less than a dozen maybe eight, seven, six, all in the uh, Western Conference, pretty much. Um, they're, they're playing like it's the playoffs already. You know, we have so many teams on the outside looking in. So every night I'm like, oh, my God, who's playing tonight? Who's got two big points on the line tonight? And that's this time of year that I love. It's the month of March, late March. You know, we used to have playoffs that began in like second week in April. Now that because this year's different than all other years, uh, we're starting the playoffs early May. Last game of the regular season, I think, is the 29th of April. So the point is we're going to have another four weeks of this craziness. And even in the Eastern Conference, where we know who are going to be the playoff teams, just watching that Atlantic division is just entertainment every single night uh, regarding their which teams going where, Boston, Tampa, all, you know, you name the teams, Toronto, all taking turns, leapfrogging each other. All of the above. So even though we know who's playing the playoffs in the East, it's still fun to watch as well. Well, Linda, that's the perfect segue because the Atlantic is crazy. And I do feel like we're shaping up to some of the most hectic and maybe most unexpected first round series ever. It just feels that way. Um, But in the Atlantic division, one of the teams is the Toronto Maple Leafs that made some ads at the trade deadline. And another thing I love about this time of year is seeing all these players come to new teams, try to adjust, weighing those expectations of, I was brought here to help you get over the hump. 
And one of those guys for the Toronto Maple Leafs, helping them get over the Stanley Cup drought that has been more than 60 years and has tormented that city, is Colin Blackwell. And Linda, you got to know Colin. You asked if he wanted to come on the podcast. He was so happy to. And I love the opportunity to talk to him. Um, such a nice guy. So here's that conversation. Just thrilled to bring in as a guest, uh, Emily. Colin Blackwell is one of my favorite guys. Of course, I followed him when he was a Ranger. I did not follow Colin when he was with St. John's Prep. I'm sorry. Uh, and I did not go to Harvard either. But he joins us now on our In the Crease podcast. Colin, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a crazy, crazy, but fun time. And we're going to flash back before we live in the present and talk about, I don't know, what was going through your mind, all the thoughts were. I mean, I, we even chatted about it. I had a feeling you were going to be traded. I wasn't alone. You were traded from the Kraken to Toronto. Let's first talk about that experience and that process, how that happened. Yeah, so I've, I've been on a couple teams uh, the last couple of years. Uh, it's been kind of crazy journey, but I haven't been traded halfway through the year or anything. So this is the first time for that. So it's definitely been a little bit of an adjustment, but you know, the way the season was kind of going in Seattle and me being an unrestricted free agent, I knew that it was kind of going to be a possibility. Um, and that's just kind of part of the business that you're in. And um, you know, I, I knew that there might've been a couple teams that were interested potentially. Um, but obviously there's a lot of moving pieces and um, you know, there are a lot of big names out there that were also available and traded at the deadline too. So um, I didn't know hundred percent what was going to happen. And, um, just at that time, I, I started kind of feeling like I, I was playing pretty well kind of for the last month or so. So, um, I thought that there could have been a, a potential to get moved, but I didn't know exactly, like I said, to where, to whom, and, um, just kind of ended up getting a call from, um, Kraken management and, and Ron Francis. And, um, he kind of let me know before, um, it actually was, uh, made a, available to the public. Um, so that meant a lot, just not reading it on Twitter and stuff along those lines. And um, so that, that was uh, that was definitely something that uh, was important to me. And then um, I happened to see Mark Giordano at the rink that morning. Um, and we kind of talked about it once when I heard we were kind of package deal going to Toronto and his hometown and everything. So a lot of moving pieces. Um, and I uh, I'm glad I, I knew and heard it from them first rather than being on uh, online. Sure. Journalists are the worst. You try to break news. It's rough, rough business out there. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. So like what we know about the NHL, it's such a community, right? And all the guys kind of know each other. So when you get traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, when you look at the roster, one, did you have any buddies already there? Or two, were you like, wow, this is a guy I'm really excited to meet because I've heard great things. Or this is a guy I'd love to team up with on a line. Yeah. I mean, going into it, I had no idea what exactly my role would be on the team. And uh, that's kind of been my whole entire path through the NHL. Now I've kind of, you know, been able to play up and down lineups and stuff like that. So, I mean, you look at the Leafs roster and, and you look at like Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, just some of the big names that, um, you know, they've been the cream of the crop in, in the league and in the whole entire NHL for, you know, a long time now. So um, those were some of the guys that just to be able to be a sponge and kind of learn from them every single day, because, they've been able to be so consistent for such a long time and uh, kind of the depth that Toronto has had, there's a lot of good players and it didn't really matter kind of where I would be playing. You get a really good chance to, you know, playing with Jason Spezza. He's got over a thousand games, Wayne Simmons, you know, even Gio coming over from Seattle. There's 
really good mix of vets and, and some really good young talent uh, here too. And I was lucky enough, I played with Alexander Kerfoot in college at Harvard. So uh, actually when he had heard kind of through the grapevine, he was the first guy to FaceTime me. And, um, you know, I, I got nothing but good things to say about the guys in this locker room only being here for a week, right? When kind of the news broke, all pretty much everybody shot me a text and just said, looking forward to meeting you and getting you on the ice. And we had played a, against the Leafs when I was with Seattle, probably a week or two weeks beforehand too. So um, a lot of guys had a lot of nice things. And I think that meant a lot for me, just being pretty comfortable. And then just so happens to be that another Harvard guy, Alex Viega, happened to get traded out of Toronto at the deadline. And I'm uh, taking his apartment over. Um, so <laughs> like you, you, so you're talking about this uh, small hockey community. It ended up working out pretty well. And um, it's funny how things work sometimes. That's very cool. Um, you know, how about going from the crack and an expansion team? You know, and we had previously talked, I mean, the fan base, amazing for an expansion team. But here you go to an original six, back with an original six team like you were with the Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, but probably the hungriest fan base at this point in time. How did you balance those nerves, expectation and wanting to prove to your new teammates that you indeed belong and you are ready to make an impact? Yeah, I mean, uh, I got nothing but great things to say about my experience in Seattle, too. The fans, I mean, they were so supportive of, of us all year and playing in that climate pledge. I was that was pretty special. And then but then when you go to somewhere like uh, like Toronto, like you said, an original six and um, the fan base is so passionate and truthfully, um, you know, there's been a little bit of a drought in the, and, and they really want to, to win and be a part of that winning culture. And for me, that's all I really wanted an opportunity to do. Um, obviously got a little bit of a sniff at it last year in New York, but um, getting a chance to, to compete and play in the playoffs. And um, for me, it's, it's been something I've had to deal with for the last several years now of kind of being that fringe player that has always every single day trying to prove himself. So um, first couple of games, uh, I think for me, it was just trying to do the little things right to get um, a little bit of confidence in from the players, but also the coaching staff, um, just to kind of get them familiar with my game and show them what I can do. And, um, you know, now that I have three or four games under my belt, just feel that much more comfortable, especially in that last game, just learning new systems and learning new line mates and getting that chemistry going. Um, it's a little bit different than anything I've really ever experienced before, but um, it, it's definitely been a pretty easy transition so far. So call it on trade deadline day. Uh, we had a show on ESPN. And on our panel was John Tortorella and Ryan Callahan. And I'm pretty sure they had this conversation off camera, but it was so good that I'm going to bring it on camera to you. And they were talking about you as a player and they were saying how underrated you were and how much they were, you reminded them of Anthony Sorelli and the world that he's played for Tampa Bay Lightning in their last two cups. And I just thought it was such a nice compliment. So I'm just curious hearing that, what you think? I mean, yeah, I, I didn't, like you said, I didn't uh, hear that, but hearing that for the first time, that means a lot because those are two, you know, Callahan played, I'm not sure how many games he played, but he was a guy that I always looked up to um, just the way he, he played every single night. And, you know, it was that two-way player and, you know, it was really hard to play against. And then you look at, you know, towards too, like he, he's such a good hockey mind on those panels and, um, you know, hearing something like that from two guys uh, saying something like that, that means a lot. And then you look at a guy like Anthony Sorelli, like you said, I think he's one of the most important parts of, of that Tampa Bay lineup and kind of what he brings every single night. And, you know, I've been following his uh, his career over the last probably five plus years, getting a chance to play with him always and already in the minors uh, back when we kind of first started and kind of where he is now. Um, 
you know, just to be even in uh, the same conversation as him uh, definitely means a lot. And I think that that builds a lot of confidence going forward. <laughs> so you get traded to, yeah. So you get traded to Toronto, Colin, and that's, that isn't exciting enough, right? Then the same week, it's like you had a Bieber moment, Justin Bieber, like uh, <laughs> unveiling his third Jersey for the leaves. And you made sure you got a pick with him. Tell me about that. Yeah, not a bad first night in the office, I'd say, for the first night in Toronto. I uh, happened to be the Bieber night. Uh, he had those uh, next generation jerseys and, um, you know, him just being a fan of the Leafs, you obviously see that. But now being a part of it, just, you know, how much he cares about, uh, you know, hockey in Toronto and, you know, came down to the locker room and a lot of the guys kind of already familiar with him and friendly with him. Um, and for me, obviously, a uh, big fan and <laughs> had to just uh, say thank you for the jerseys and, and snag a picture. So I, I know that I, I definitely wasn't the only one doing that. Uh, but no, it was, it was pretty cool. And just to kind of be a part of this, you know, Maple Leaf family so far. So it's been uh, it's been pretty, pretty cool. A lot of hype around the city and especially around the trade deadline and making that push to towards the playoffs. Colin, you're an American kid. You grew up in Massachusetts. You played college hockey, like Linda said. You played your first couple years in the league playing for American franchises. And now you go up north to Canada. So I'm just curious. It's only been a week. But what are some of the like cultural differences or norms or just things that are different that you kind of have to get adjusted to? Well, I think I played in Nashville and then playing New York was a little bit bigger market. And then Seattle, too, just making the transition over here. Just hockey in Canada. There's just so much. Just people are kind of crazy about it out, out this <laughs> way, especially in Toronto. And um, just walking around the city, uh, everybody kind of seems to already know who you are. and um, I, I definitely just say the media coverage, um, maybe it's, it's just a little bit, there's cameras everywhere around the rink and, um, you know, you just see the fan base and, and Toronto people, original six team, like you guys had mentioned beforehand. Um, it's definitely been a little bit of a transition from, a you know, a new expansion franchise, uh, earlier, uh, in the season. And then you come here and, um, you know, you go to a Starbucks or you go, uh, kind of anywhere and everybody kind of <laughs> knows who you are and you can't really slip under the cracks. So, um, I think that's something that, that really is really cool. And, um, like I said, just, to, to kind of be a part of it and hopefully, you know, the way I, I play the game will make some of these fans uh, pretty happy, hopefully. Yeah. You grew up in Massachusetts, right? And so when you think about back in the day and present day, Leafs Bruins, I mean, classic rivalry. You know, postseason uh, disappointments more so for the Leafs than the Bruins. But I'm sure, you know, you grew up with that. And uh, now you're on this side. And it was fun seeing your pics on Instagram of, you know, friends and family that came out uh, last night or the other night when uh, the Leafs. It was last night, actually, when we were recording this. Um, the Leafs were in Boston. You're playing at Boston Garden. And I know it's not the first time you played Boston Garden, but wearing the Leafs uniform and playing the Bruins. There's a little something different to that. Yeah. I mean, I think just some of my buddies and family, I mean, can't tell you how many Bruins fans are crazy about the Bruins. My buddies group chat from high school, it's only, you know, Boston sports and Bruins talk. And I kind of have to silence them sometimes because I'm not really <laughs> a part of that picture uh, anymore. So to kind of go in there and um, I mean, it was my birthday the other night and then my parents 35th, uh, you know, wedding anniversary. And I really don't get a chance to, I don't remember the last time I got a chance to celebrate that with them and stuff. So oh, just wow. to see some of friends and family that, you know, I don't live in Boston too often in the summer is just kind of more visiting and um, seeing so many people from high school, college and 
just growing up, uh, a lot of people reach out, a lot of people are at the game and uh, that means a lot to me. And then yeah, to be able to kind of get a win and, um, you know, just be a part of that rivalry that, you know, I grew up watching and I remember a lot of the moments, uh, you know, dating back to, you know, like you said, Boston might've uh, taken the cake a couple of times when I was growing up, but to be a part of that rivalry now and, and kind of just get a taste for it really felt like it was a playoff game and the atmosphere. And um, I'm just happy, like I said, to, to really get a part to not only be a part of that, but, you know, hopefully make a good push here in the playoffs. And Colin, last question for me. Um, you know, obviously you got traded and it wasn't the best season for the Seattle crack. And I think they kind of grounded us and reminded us what an expansion team typically looks like. Um, and there's a lot of focus on that negativity, but when you think back to your tenure there, is there something that you appreciate the most out of it? And when you look back on it, like, what are your fondest memories? Yeah. I mean, at first thing I would say the fans, like, like you said, it wasn't necessarily uh most successful year, but there are a couple of times where, you know, we were getting, you know, beat up pretty bad earlier in the year by a team and, you know, growing up, if I was in going to a Bruins game or something like that, I guarantee you most of my friends would have left in the second period type of thing. And <laughs> those, those fans stood by us uh, through thick and thin. And I think what they have built there um, from a fan base and the excitement around the city is truly something special. And I, I know that it's a learning curve, and, but some of the people there are pretty wild and pretty crazy. And as they start getting a little bit more knowledgeable and, you know, the team hopefully gets a little bit more success, I, I think it, it's going to be pretty special, um, you know, moving forward there. And I mean, the hospitality, I'd say it's a pretty first class organization and, you know, some of the facilities that they put in there and group of guys that um, you were able to be a part of it. I, I, I know, it, you know, even though it wasn't as successful, like you guys uh, mentioned, I, I'm definitely glad and grateful that I got, got an opportunity to be a part of that. Cause not too many people, I can tell my kids and grandkids, hopefully down the road that, you know, I was a part of an expansion franchise and a part of history. So um, I think that was cool and, and really important in a learning curve. Cause now I've been a part of some really good teams and, you know, some teams that, you know, we didn't have too much success this year and kind of what's a make or break type of deal to kind of, bring a part of a culture and build that culture and kind of moving forward. Last one for me, Colin, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that beautiful dog of yours uh, <laughs> that I see in those pics. What a cutie. And I'm a dog lover. I have one. Tell me about your dog. I know it's a girl name, the whole thing. Yeah, she's uh, she's a freak athlete. She might be more athletic than, uh, than me, but <laughs> miniature golden doodle named Bexley and she loves just playing frisbee and going for swims and um yeah she's she's awesome and especially the ups and downs of a hockey season being able to rely on um you know her for some smiles and, and my girlfriend too they're definitely two uh, of the support network that um you know I I wouldn't be where I am without them so uh Bexley uh, we call her Bex and <laughs> um, you know, she, she, she just brightens, brightens your day and, uh, you can't help, but, you know, snap some pictures and some videos where every time we go to the park or something, I always throw a Frisbee and people just kind of stare and, uh, and watch and it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, I hopefully bring her, bring her up to, to Toronto sometime soon. And uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing some, some more pictures and videos of her. Would love that. Uh, definitely for sure. <laughs> All right. Great stuff. Uh, we wish you nothing but success. Uh, and it's, man, that Atlantic division is off the charts, entertaining every single night. You have to be scoreboard watching, but I'm glad you're a part of it. I'm glad you're with an amazing team like the Leafs and uh, keep doing what you do. And thanks for joining us. 
Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this playoff run, and thanks for having me on. You got thanks it, Colin. Colin. Take Thank care. You. Bye. Bye. As expected, Colin was a delight. And by the way, anyone who wants to follow him on Instagram, because I referred to his Instagram uh, account uh, multiple times in this, because I love his pics that he posts, he and his girlfriend and his dog, Bex. Uh, it is um, at C period B period 43. Simple as that. So didn't want to forget about that, Emily. And we are definitely have our eye on him. And he's the type of player that we always talk about. You need scrappy players, you know, players that win battles, players that get under the skin of others, players that have their teammates back. That is what Colin Blackwell is. And Toronto wanted to make sure they got this guy and they went out and got him. And it helped that Mark Giordano came with him because if I was being traded, you know, it'd be helped to get someone that I spent the year with in Seattle in which uh, Colin did. And so he comes along with them and it sort of takes the um, onus and doesn't put it squarely just on Colin. A lot of people, obviously, Mark Giordano was the bigger name, of course. So uh, good for him. We wish him the best. Absolutely. No, I, I was just really taken aback by just how sweet and humble he was and pretty real and authentic as a player. Um, and, and what a big opportunity it is to come and step into this team. But also how much pressure it is. You know, and I asked just about adjusting to a Canadian market. The first thing he mentioned was the attention that he gets. Like, it's very yeah. clear he's already recognized on the streets and that's something you typically expect when you're like a bottom six player um and i'm also glad that we could share that anecdote because i'm telling you callie and Torres were just effusive about this kid um about his work ethic the way he plays on the ice um just noticing him from afar and so i do think he'll become a favorite of toronto maple leafs fans um but it always takes guys a couple games to adjust with a new team so i always remember that empathy too okay speaking of people um, who we love talking to. We are going to head to our five-minute major segment. And Linda, he's now always been your favorite, always been my favorite. I think he's becoming America's favorite too because he's showing off that authentic, fun personality of his, especially around the trade deadline. And it's Kevin Weeks. Five-minute major. Weeksy, five minutes you have. And we thought because of former NHL goalie great, uh, we would give a goalie question, and that goalie question is, and this one you could do in your sleep and answer in your sleep, and you could do it in five minutes or less. The goalies, the five best goalies right now, the way they are playing right now in the National Hockey League, the five best, go. Raising's important there. <laughs> First of all, thanks for the kind intro. Pumped to be joining you, ladies. Um, great job on the pod. Great job on the air, as always. I would start with this. Number one. Madison Square Garden, the Prince, because the Kings jersey's up in the Raptors. I'll go with the Prince, Igor Shishjurkin. He's been absolutely amazing for the Rangers. I never thought that you'd see this smooth of a transition from our man and good buddy, the, the great Henrik Lundqvist, go so smoothly into the hands of somebody else's that can perform at that level. Now, we know it's an early sample size by NHL standards, but Igor Shishjurkin has been money for the Blue Shirts fans at the Garden. Uh, and all of the quality underlying metrics, his numbers outpaced that of everybody else and every other goalie in the league. So not only the surface numbers, as we come to know the save percentage goals against, but everything else, uh, all the underlying numbers support this as well. So he's been amazing. All right, Blue Shirt fans, I can hear you. I hear your horns honking. I can see some of you in the background. I'm looking around. So <laughs> we'll start there. Okay, number two, and not to be outdone, I'm going to say Markstrom up in Calgary. When you leave the league with nine shutouts. Now, listen, I will qualify a couple things. He Number doesn't get one, a lot of shots. 
Exactly. So that's the first thing I was going to say because Daryl Sutter's done such a great job, LC, to your point, in transforming that team. All that to say, though, uh, and they are much better defensively in front of them. Jersey boy Johnny Goudreau has been amazing this year, not only in terms of what he's doing offensively, but he's a plus 46 or whatever he is as of this moment. So uh, I think that Marsham's had an awesome year up in Calgary, but he's also the benefactor of a good team. You want my number three? Yeah, obviously. All right. I'm just trying to click. I'll just try to credit you and the viewers and the listeners a little bit. Number three, let's go to Steeltown, Pittsburgh, PA, shall we? Wow. Uh, Tristan Jari's having, yep, really? having, absolutely. Jari's having a monster year. And here's the thing. Imagine knowing that you were an all-star, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, that you're in St. Louis. You had a tough go around in the postseason. You're an all-star again this year. Oh, by the way, you have future Hall of Famers on your team and Sid and Gino and Chris Letang. And the expectations are for you to be elite. He's been that this year. So I'm going with Jari at my number three. At number four? I thought hmm. we were going to Raleigh, North Carolina. That's okay. I thought, I thought we were uh, going see, to that, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, see, I, got, I love it. I love this. At number four, I'm going to go with the standard of goalie greatness. Andre Vasilevsky, the big cat. You have to. Games played, durability, consistent greatness all the time. I'm going to mention my boy, the great Henrik Lundqvist, who's a future Hall of Fame lock, who told me five years ago at the Garden in the Rangers dressing room post-game, Weeksy, that's the best goalie on the planet. Wow. And that came from Hank then. And that was, I mean, that told me everything from one of the goats to a young emerging goat. And I think if Vasilevsky continues on his trajectory, he has a good opportunity to be a top 10 goalie in history of the league if he continues at this trajectory. All right. Number five, just because Uh-oh. I see, just because I see both of you in anticipation. Number five, I'm going with my guy Fred X, Freddie Anderson, in Raleigh. Now, I'm so happy for him. I got to know him when he was out in your parts, LC, out in the OC when he yep. came in with the Ducks. He's done an awesome job. He set a lot of franchise records for the Leafs. I don't like the way that they try to make him a pariah there because it wasn't only based on him that they weren't able to get through. Uh, winning a, a postseason round. And he wasn't now. 100% healthy. And he wasn't 100% healthy, and I don't like the way they try to throw him to the wolves. I, I don't like that at all. Now, here's my ding, 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 ding. Here's mm-hmm. my cover right now. Here's Uh-oh. the cover. Because I know a lot of the listeners in the Weeksy, what about our guy? Weeksy, what about our guy? Honorary mention, because you can only have five in the top five. Honorary mention to UC Soros in Nashville. He How do you been, not put him in your five? I know I'm asking you the question. My God, it's a top five. Are the guys that have carried that team? He's carried that team. He has. However, I will say this. The way that Matt Duchesne's playing, the way that Yossi's playing, which is historic, on pace to match the great Brian Leach for 100 points, the last D-man to do Love it. Love it. Love right? it. Right? The year that Ryan Johansson's having, the year Ch- uh, Janot's having, the year Philip that Forsberg. and yes. Philip Forsberg and Granlund. Now, as I said with Shishirkin, who would have thought that the great Pecorine would have retired and it would have gone this smoothly? So yeah. I'm going to give him all the love he deserves. We can only have five in the top five. But guess here's the curveball, Elsie. And you're giving us a seven. No, no, this is just another honorary mention. Oh, uh, you know why? You know why? Because <laughs> Elsie 
can hear some of her family and some of her childhood friends out on Long Island. Weeks, what's mm. going on? You forget about us out here on Long Island? That's right. Nope. They always no, I do. Didn't forget. I did not forget because Sorokin has been money for the Islanders. Yes. Money with good. six shutouts. If they were in the postseason, if they were in the postseason, we'd be talking more about Ilya Sorokin. 100%. So, you know what? I took heed. I know your phone is blowing up right now, LC. You got some <laughs> family and friends that in Long Island that are like, all right, well, now Weeks is back in the good books. So that's my top five. But I, I, could ha I had to give those two honorary mentions to those to Saros and Sorokin because they've been outstanding this year. It's so exciting how many young goaltenders are on that list. Honestly, I feel like there's been so much turnover on that list just because there's so many great goaltenders out there. But oh, how yeah. good is the rivalry in New York between Sorokin and Shesterkin going to be? Because they're best friends. No one yeah. really realizes that. They're besties. Absolutely. I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be electric for the game. You know, for years I had a front row seat and on ice seat to Hank and or Marty, Marty, Hank, either side of that. And I thought it was awesome, especially here uh, in, in Metro New York. It's great for the game. It's great for the league. And I would also say, keep an eye on this, too. Since we're on this, and Elsie, you probably had a little hand in this, being the former goalie. And, Em, you've come to be a goalie supporter. So we, we yes, got a lot I of love I am an ally. You. Thank you. Yeah, we got a lot of love for you, too. But here's the thing that I'm going to say. This right now could very well be a golden era for American-born goalies right yep. now. Right. We've got a lot of them. I hear you all talk about them on the broadcast, in the games you cover, in the studio shows, on the pod. I got to tell you right now, you got Connor Hellebuck, who's already won a Vesna up in Winnipeg and carries that team on his back like a church organ every single game. Right. You've got Spencer Knight, who's an emerging. Can you believe Spencer Knight's only 20 right now? No. Yeah. He's so precocious. Yep. Like he could be he could be in junior or in college right now. He could be mm -hmm. playing. Yeah. Uh, so, so Spencer Knight, also my guy, Jake Ottinger in Dallas, who's taken over. He's made over a that big role. leap. He's made a big leap. There's no question about it. And don't forget, don't sleep on Thatcher Demko ever. Thatcher Demko, exactly out in van. Or John Gibson, the guy that's holding it down in Anaheim. I don't Gibson's know. always been holding it down for sure. I've always been a Gibby guy. But here's the one, you know, I had to leave this because same thing. You know, we got love for the fans all across the place. Another Eugene, honorable mention. No, the Beast fans here. <laughs> Listen to this, Elsie. Hold up. Because I know the next time I'm in Boston, I'm going to hear it from the fans. Jeremy Swayman. Oh, yes. That's another American young tendee that's been very impressive. So I really wanted to bookend it by highlighting a lot of the American-born goalies because uh, we've seen, you know, a lot more boys and girls play the game. And girls hockey is the largest growing segment here at USA Hockey across the nation. So let's make sure we qualify that. And we're seeing uh, a lot of awesome young American goalies in the National Hockey League. So I really wanted to pay tribute to that too. Very cool. I love it. Me too. Emily, I have to ask Weeksy before we let him go. Kudos to you. Uh, during the trade deadline, how you made doing your job fun. You do that anyway. But then you, you took over social media. And you brought the outside in to our coverage by using social media and actually just making fun and entertaining us with where you broke the stories. How did that start? Was it on the deadline show that you and Emily did with a cast of thousands? Did it start <laughs> there and then it just took off? 
Tell me about that. And people who are listening now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back on Weeksy's uh, timeline and you'll find out what he's continuing to do. Thank you for that. I'll, okay, let, let me qualify this and say, and you both know this as well, if not better than I do, so many people in the business have personalities. And so many times in our sport, it's like canned or super buttoned up or super zipped up where you can't have fun. It's almost frowned upon. And even for those of us that cover the sport, you know, we're, we're on the road, we're on dinners, we're talking, we're joking around, we're on the phone, we're horsing around. And oftentimes, because we're so professional, people don't necessarily get to see that. And you know that as well, if not better than I do. So, so I would say this, the, the thing, and, you know, look at yourselves, okay? So, uh, LC, you're out in Orange County, but then you got to go here. Then you got to go there. Then you got to go there. Then you get this call. Same thing for you, Em. You get this call, you're out of Chicago, then you got to do whatever. So, you all know it's a 24-7 business. Nobody sits around and says, okay, let me wait until you are ready for this news to happen. So quite frankly, literally, like whether it was driving up to Bristol and I-84, yeah, I had to pull off, or if we were in the studio uh, and we had a, like, I had a brief moment where in commercial break, I was able to do something, or literally uh, we were at the spot, Meg and I were at the spot before driving up to Bristol. And I swear to God, we, we get out of the truck. So I get this, okay. So I do this one behind the truck. Then we get into the spa. So the lady there, she was so nice. She's like, okay, I know you guys are here to relax. No problem. Just go ahead and fill out the paperwork. So she's filling out the clipboard and I get this other deal and I'm literally in front of the bamboo doors to go inside for treatment. So I said to the owner of the spa, I'm like, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I, this is news. <laughs> but, so anyway, by that point, and then people started having fun with it and, and, and right. having a laugh. Yeah, so. Yeah, it, you were it like a meme. It's a, yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. So it took on a life of its own. But I think as you both know, too, like, sometimes, first of all, I've got goalie sausage fingers. So that's the first thing. So my fingers are not uh, iPhone friendly for texting. They're friendly for, for opening a glove and holding a blocker. So, so a lot of times I do like voice texts. I'll do the voice memos quite that often. That explains your love of voice notes. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's all coming together. It's the right, exactly. So a lot of times I do voice notes. So, and, and everybody else does things the way that they do. We have so many great people that cover the game. But oh, as it you was know, fun. It, it yeah. was fun. It was Thank fun to you. see even uh, others in the hockey community get a kick out of it. And where is Weeksy now? He's going to be breaking stories. And it was just, it was good. Good stuff. Thank anyway. you, Wilson. All right, Weeksy. Uh, we're going to let you go because you're a very busy guy. And no uh, Emily and I have to finish this podcast. Well, listen, keep up the amazing work. I, I told you right from the outset of them, I've been tuning in. They've all been entertaining and insightful. So you both keep crushing it. Keep up the awesome work. And thanks for having me on. And I'll see you on the airway soon, or I'll see you in, in person, studio soon. Great. And in the meantime, we'll see you on social media with a trash can on your head. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I was in behind the pussy willows in the, in the acupuncture place. There it is. That's so great. <laughs> awesome. Always on your toes. Pins and needles. Uh, thanks, ladies. Keep rocking. All right, bye, Thank you. I know we said Weeksy was going to be just the five minutes and the five minute major, but of course we had to keep him longer than the five minutes because he had us going. I still don't agree with his uh, top five goalie picks. I think Sara should have been in that five, uh, that hand fill, but that's okay. He can have as many honorable mentions he wants. He wants, we brought him in as a guest.
he can have the floor. And he took the stage and he ran with it for probably about 12 minutes. I think it's so interesting, though, hearing his five. Like you said, like you were surprised Saros wasn't in there. I was surprised Freddie Anderson wasn't higher. We're talking about the best goalies of this year. And I just think it speaks to the talent level that we're seeing right now, just how many capable number one goaltenders there are, but also just like how there's not really the guy. Like the guy has always been Andre Vasilevsky maybe the last few years. And now I feel like there's a couple guys in contention to be the guy. So just an interesting time for the position in general. All right, Linda, this weekend, I've got to get to see one of Kevin Weeksy's guys, one that didn't even make his honorable mention list, and that's Tristan Jari and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their ABC game in Colorado, where they'll be playing Darcy Kemper in the Avalanche. Typically, people don't say Darcy Kemper first. I think he's kind of been their question mark there, but so many injuries swirling around the Avalanche. Right now, I feel like they're just trying to sit everyone yeah. and get them all rested for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, as we speak on on a Wednesday uh uh, last night, uh, upper body injury uh, kept uh, Nathan McKinnon out. And you're right. You want to rest these guys, actually, for whatever reason. You just kind of want to make sure they're 100% going in because they're all in. But I love Darcy Kemper. He had a great outing uh, yesterday and a big win, um, 40 mo- saves, multiple saves. Uh, I think I'm all – if that guy stays healthy, I said it before, we stay healthy, apps have no problem uh, with their goaltending. But that's going to be a great game for you um, on ABC and, of course – you know, you're going to see the greatest Sidney Crosby. Always a pleasure. I love him so much. Make sure you mention that to him. And um, also, um, I will be can be seen hosting in the crease. As always, remember, after the final whistle on ESPN Plus, after all the games are done, that's where you need to tune in uh, to check that out. That's it. So another edition of In the Crease is in the books. We thank you for listening as always. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.